We welcome you tonight to our chapel service and uh, glad that you can be here. And uh, let's uh, begin tonight. Could we just stand and let's say our theme together? Here am I, Lord, send me. And can we pray that silently in our heart? Amen. Let's get ready to worship our Lord and King. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we are so grateful that you allow us into your presence, that you allow us to participate in your love and your redeeming redemption plan for this world. Thank you for allowing us to be your hands and feet in this world for trusting us when we don't trust ourselves, for giving us your grace and your love that makes a difference in others' lives. We bow before you this evening and give you thanks and honor and praise for who you are, what you have done in our lives and in this place, and for what we know you will do with us and through us in the days to come. Bless us, we pray, in the next few moments as we turn to your holy word. May it be alive in our lives. May it change us. May it empower us. May it help us to be a channel of your grace, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. This evening we are pleased to have uh, uh, Reverend Alan Scott who is the pastor at Trinity Nazarene here in Colorado Springs and his wife uh, Beth is with him this evening. Would you make them welcome? And without anything further we'll have him come and give us the evening message. Well, it's great to see all of you here and to have a chance to share with you. I know there's some here who uh, have been a part of Trinity Church, and I'm sure the curiosity is, can he preach in 20 minutes? That's really the question. We're not sure. We'll just have to see how that goes tonight. Well, I wanted to uh, share with you something that the Lord laid on my heart, a burden that he gave me as we were studying a few months ago in the book of 2 Corinthians in a Bible study that I teach. And so I invite you to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's interesting when the Lord lays a burden on your heart and uh, in a passage. And then uh, he, he begins to tell me this is the type of audience he wants me to preach it to. And I have not a clue when or ever I would ever have an opportunity to preach to this group or one like it. Uh, so when I got the call and asked if I would come, I knew where God wanted me to preach. So I want to share that uh, with you tonight. I was captivated in uh, chapter 11 with the heart of the Apostle Paul. And for me, in this day and age, um, it's so easy in ministry to ask the question, what's wrong with me? 
why is my church not like other churches? Why, why is my family not doing what other families are doing? And maybe even for those in preparation for ministry, you begin to wonder, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why, why can't I get my act together? Why can't I get better grades? Why can't this all be like everyone else? Because we live in a day and an age where it's very difficult to understand what it is to be a servant of Christ in a day of superstars when it seems as if everyone is compared to somebody who you've seen on television or has a, a mega church somewhere and and you begin to wonder why did God call me and <laughs> why me why am I in this situation why are the circumstances like this I was remembering back uh, of our first church in Nazareth Pennsylvania I googled it today I it doesn't exist in Google so uh, it in fact it was closed a year after I was uh, the pastor, I was the last full-time pastor they had. A wonderful retired uh, pastor went, went after me and he said, don't worry, my son, uh, I've, I've resurrected many churches and I, I'm sure I'll just take it on. He closed it after a year after I was there. And I, I got to wondering whether they would ever ordain somebody who closed churches. I just wasn't sure. I wasn't the first pastor there and uh, there had been many before me. And I had uh, experience to know that there were people who were taller than I was and, and, and stronger than I was and smarter than I was. And all those folk had gone before me. And the church was about the way I found it when I got there. That's about the way it was most of its life. And as I left that place after two years, and you know, the first year, I, I mostly planned my way to get out of there. And the second year, it was God's opportunity to teach me what ministry really was about. And uh, by the time it was done and I was leaving and I did everything I could and did my best effort and I blamed anybody I could but it well, didn't do any good, uh, it, was, it was just what it was. And I, uh, I was praying to God and I said, God, if you won't blame me for everything that's happened here, I promise if anything ever goes good in some church I have in the future, I'm not going to take all the credit either. Uh, that I, I think if we could just partner in this thing together in ministry, this would be okay. Um, you know, sometimes you wonder, you know, will I really make it? You know, it's all the things that happened and the difficult things that took place, and I could give you a long list, and the stories are pretty fun to tell, actually, because they've gotten better over the years. <laughs> Some of them are hard to improve on, but they were interesting times for those couple years in that church. And then I, then I begin to wonder, what is it that we are to be in ministry? And what's it like to be a servant of Christ in a day and age where there are superstars, it seems like, around us? And we're compared a lot. We're compared to those uh, preaching abilities or pastoral abilities or musical abilities or whatever your uh, particular gift is. And so I was reminded as I read through this chapter, chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, and I want to highlight just a couple of verses in verse 5. Uh, Paul writes, but I do not think I am the least inferior to those super apostles. I think, well, man, even Paul had people comparing him. Uh, Paul was, uh, he was probably the superstar of all superstars in ministry from what I could see. The results of what he's had, what he's done, his ministry, his writing, uh, and yet uh, he was being criticized and he was they found his faults and in fact he had a few faults and they found them and they talked about them and by the way they said you know but these other guys they do it so much better than Paul does 
And I can just imagine what it was like. And, and Paul writing, he was much more mature than I am, and so he was writing in a mature way to help them and encourage them. And so when he wrote that he said, you know, I don't think I'm, you know, so bad compared to those super apostles, he was, he was really saying, you know, this is really just silly talk during this time. This is just ridiculous that I'm even talking about comparing myself to anybody else. And then moving over in that chapter to verse 23, he begins to describe what really a servant of God is like. And, and he says, uh, verse 23, are they servants of Christ, these super apostles? Then in parentheses he says, I am out of my mind to talk like this. Then he says, but I am more a servant of Christ. <laughs> I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. I'm going to end the reading there for a little bit. As I looked at this passage, I thought, wow, today in today's day, you know, if you had a bad day or you weren't doing as well as someone else down the road, the first thing you might think is, I shouldn't be in ministry. Good grief. What kind of a servant am I? I don't have the success story. I, 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 you know what? My family's been sick or I, I've had some problems. I, you know, I, I've struggled in this area. People have been picking on me or, or I haven't had the opportunities others have had. And on goes the list. And we begin to think, well, why me? What's wrong with me? Why, why am I not one of the superstars in this? And as I read this passage, I thought, we've got this all mixed up. This whole idea of servant of Christ. This idea that somehow it's all about us. <laughs> that somehow it's all about what everybody thinks of us. It's all about how much we've done compared to someone else. And... and Paul was, was kind. He was, he was not just laughing out loud, but he was snickering a bit as he was thinking of these guys who had called themselves super apostles. And I think uh, sometimes what the enemy tries to do is get us so focused on everybody else, <laughs> get so focused on what everybody else has done, the achievements of others, that he begins to discourage us. And I'm afraid there are some who have given up before they ever get to see all that God wants to do through their ministry. Just because they've gone through a bad time, it's a difficult time, circumstances are good, they've gotten sick, their family's gotten sick, they've had hardship, maybe the finances didn't work out the way they thought they would, and they begin to say, well, maybe I'm just not cut out for this servant of Christ thing. I, I'm not one of the superstars. <laughs> I'm not one of those guys that everybody's writing home about and everybody wants to have. And I read this passage and I think, what pastor in his right mind, what student going out to ministry in their right mind would list these things on their resume 
as a way to attract the church to invite them to come be their pastor. I, I've been stoned, I've been in storms, I've been sick, I've been naked, I've been all these things. And you think, that doesn't seem like today's day. But he called them servants of Christ. Servants of Christ. My mentor, Ron Miller, uh, taught me a lot. One of the things he taught me was this. He used to say it all the time. He said, the trouble with being a servant of Christ is that people treat you like you are a servant. And he would chuckle, just like you are. Because uh, sometimes we romanticize this servant of Christ thing. But the truth is, you can be facing some very difficult times and still be a servant of Christ. <laughs> you could go through hardships. You might even find, you know what I found about church and ministry? You're not the only factor in whether a church succeeds or not. I hope you got that one. You're not the only factor of whether a church succeeds or not. Oh, we have to keep track of things. We have to keep score in some way. We, we have measurements and things that are part of that, but I've lived long enough to know there are things, and, and sometimes unseen things, and sometimes things you won't see for many years to come. And so how do you hang on to that? Is it the results? Is it what everybody says about me? How do we hang on to that? Because I think if we anchor ourselves in circumstances and how things are going, it's going to be shifting sand and that anchor is not going to hold. Or if we're anchoring personal achievement and what we can do and what everybody's writing home about, that's sifting, shifting sand and, and it's not going to hold. And if we try to anchor in people's responses to it, oh, I love people who like me. I do like that. When they like me, that's so good. But you know what? <laughs> That's a shifting sand when you anchor in that because sometimes you do something they don't like about that. And then you wonder, should I even be in ministry? Look what's going on. And I, I get concerned. We need more servants of Christ in ministry. And I don't want you who are servants of Christ, who are called to be servants of Christ, to give up. <laughs> I don't want you to just simply look at the circumstances or people's response only and personal achievement. And then... I think there are some ways to anchor that Paul gives us. And I moved over to chapter 12 into this passage in verse 9. It probably, the words of the Lord to him in this, he says, But he, the Lord, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Wow. Do you understand, Paul was just dynamite. God used him in powerful ways. He, was, he, he held the church on, on task. I mean, he, he really was the guy who, who really led the way for you and I to be here. His, his vision, his passion, his faithfulness in the midst of all that went on. I mean, if you were him, and you went through all of this, and shipwrecks, and all of that, and you think, oh, I must have got this wrong. God called the wrong person. I'm getting out of this. And then he gave us a clue to what we could anchor on, and I encourage you these two, this, from this verse. Anchor in God's grace in your ministry. Even as a student, as you're doing all that you do, and then studying, and and trying to get good grades, and maybe comparing your grades to somebody else, and then begin to wonder, why me? We need to anchor in God's grace. And, and what I'm discovering in God's grace is that His grace is enough. 
And you and I really in ministry need to settle the question, is his grace enough? Or do you need all the people and all the stuff and all that going on, or is his grace enough? And by that, I've watched his grace at work, and ministry is really you and I giving our best every day, that day. And I can tell you that my best on some days is about here, and some days it's here, and some days it's here. But you know what the grace of God does? It becomes the supplement in my life. It's my best supplemented by God's grace at work in my life, in my ministry, to make it enough and to make it effective in ministry. You need to anchor in the fact that it's not about everyone else. It's about God and his grace. Servants of Christ know that he is the one who will bring you grace in your life. If you are feeling cheated or neglected or you wonder, I think you need to ask yourself the question, first of all, is grace enough? Will God give me his grace? And then the other anchor he describes here is anchor in God's power. Um, his grace never changes. It really doesn't. And his power is constant and available and free that we would understand. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I, I read that and I understand uh, can God's power be seen in you? It's not about what's going wrong or why me and how compared to someone else, but is God's power being seen in you? Are you letting that happen in your life? In the midst of the circumstances, maybe things that aren't very pleasant to go through, is God's power still at work in your life? Are you allowing that to be seen? I think, are you following his right principles? Are, are you have the right attitude in the midst of those circumstances, the right actions, the right priorities in your life, allowing his Holy Spirit to flow through you. I can tell you in ministry, most of us keep score too soon in ministry. Your investment is for eternity. And there are many things that take place that you are a part of that looks like it's a mess or didn't seem to work at all. But God's power is still at work, accomplishing what he needs to have done because he found a servant who would hear his heart, who would go into that circumstance and be faithful, give their best, watch the grace of God take that and add to that to understand it's God's grace that does it. Then the results are in his hands, and we don't quickly judge. We begin to watch what God does over time to accomplish his purpose through that. I think about those circumstances and what we're called sometimes, it seems like, to, uh, to be servants of Christ, and then we, we wonder why it is we, we are treated like a servant or act like that. I, I was reminded of John chapter 9, verse 3. It says, when his disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man who had been blind from birth or his parents, Jesus' response was, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I, I really want to encourage you to settle the issue early in your ministry. Settle the issue that this ministry that he has given you is to be a servant of Christ. And he gets the glory. He gets the honor. And it's for his purpose. And it's not about some other servant you're compared to. It's about whether you've been faithful to God. And the other thing I just wanted to hear you uh, say for you and for you to hear from me, 
please don't let those circumstances cause you to give up. You leave when God says to leave. You end when God says to end. You, you stop being a servant of Christ when he says it's done. Don't let all of that life. We live in a society, and I tell you, you will be compared, as long as you're ministering in this culture, you will be compared to other people all the time. Folks, uh, anchor in the grace of God. Have your confidence in that and the power of God to be at work in your life so that we can truly be servants of Christ. They're going to come and sing a song, I think, at this time, right? Father, you are here tonight, and I bring to you your servants, servants of Christ. I thank you for their willingness to say yes to you when you have invited them to serve you. Lord, I know they, were, they would be serving in churches and in ministries, and yet, Lord, they really are simply serving you there. I pray that you would give them your heart. I pray that you would give them your encouragement tonight. I pray that if there is one tonight who is just about ready to give up, who is ready to conclude, what's wrong with me? I must not be enough. That they would hear from you tonight, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Lord, we bring you our weakness. <laughs> not even sure we're qualified to be servants but I thank you Lord that you have called us and will equip us by your power and your grace in Jesus name we pray amen God bless you thank you for coming